0: DraftKings is not only my favorite sportsbook, but it's also America's top rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game and if they do you will claim $100 in free credits that's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older New Jersey New Jersey Indiana or Pennsylvania only new customers only wager paid out in site credits restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas J. Horwat. We have a great episode for you guys today, diving into the youngsters of the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins prospect pool, where it, it is not that deep, so I don't foresee this being a very long episode. But we'll also talk a little bit about the NHL awards as they are now concluded, following Tuesday night where most of the major awards were handed out. And then we'll finish off this episode as we always do our Thursday episodes with our shout outs and call outs. But we're starting with the Penguins top prospects. And like I mentioned, there's not a whole lot of them. That's what you get whenever you trade a lot of them away and trade a lot of picks away in favor of a win now mode for somebody like general manager, former general manager, Jim Rutherford. But we still have about four to six that we want to discuss here about possible... Top tier prospects for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A couple of them already have that designation. A couple of them we feel are on their way to that. But Horwath, before we get into all of that, Game One of the Stanley Cup Final was Monday. We're recording this prior to Game Two. You had the Lightning in six. I'm sure you're still confident in that after Game One.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was confident from the
1: beginning. I actually kind of forgot who I chose because, <clears throat> um, yeah, the Lightning are the Lightning, but it's. Montreal is already upset enough people that it seems like it could still go either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, I'm still going to be confident in the lightning just because again, they are the lightning and this is just what happens when
0: your team is built like this. Well, we'll see how the Montreal Canadians respond once they go back home to the center bell in Montreal. But as of right now, let's talk about Pittsburgh Penguins and let's talk about the prospects because It is exciting to talk about what's next for the Penguins' lineage, even though it is not really a deep class of prospects. Let's start with probably the most exciting of all of them, and let's talk about Sam Poulan. Because when the Penguins drafted him, there was a lot of hype around him, and that has consisted throughout the past couple of seasons while he's been in the Penguins' system. He's been playing in the QMJHL last season, being traded to Val Dior of the QMJHL, along with somebody else we'll talk about, Nathan Legare. But for Sam Pullen, I think he most likely starts next season with wilkes Bear now that he is 20 years old and he has played four years in major juniors in Canada. He is eligible to go to the AHL, and it only makes sense that he would make that jump and try to kind of improve his game with a higher level of talent there. But... As far as last season with Val he had eight goals and 25 points in 19 games, and he did help them in a big way to the President's Cup final where his team fell in six games. But Horwat, what are your thoughts about Sam Poulin? And realistically, is there a chance that he can make the Pittsburgh Penguins team out of training camp next season? Out of training camp might be a little harder.
1: I know we're putting a lot of stock into... Um you know, a guy like Poulain or right cracking the lineup and maybe pushing out, like we've been saying a lot already, a, a Rodriguez type, a Sevier type, uh, maybe forcing the hand on leaving a guy like Zucker or um, someone along those lines unprotected, even though that decision has to be made a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, if these guys can force a hand somewhere or the other, I mean, they're, it's, to be, it's to be noticed that, like these guys could be the reason why rodriguez doesn't return Mm -hmm. but um out of camp still difficult i doubt out of camp i i i believe it'll be i believe he'll be starting the ahl as well because he can reunite with felix robert down there who was uh back for another season in the ahl at least so that's a good little uh good little bump there for him so yeah, and that's usually where you want to grow your players in the AHL system. We've seen it work a thousand times before. Uh, why not
0: just make it a thousand and one? And I'm sure he won't be alone in that situation. You no, know, and I think this is going to be kind of a theme here as we talk about some of these top prospects. Is I would imagine most of them are going to end up playing in Wiltshire next year, which. It's been a while since we've seen our top prospects in Wilkes-Barre. Poulan has never played a game there. Legare has never played a game there. Casper Bjorkfest, while he did play two seasons ago and he did have a couple games last season, he played the majority of it in Finland. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of these players at least start the season in Wilkes-Barre, which is going to make it very fun to watch that that team because for the first time we have a lot of our top prospects in that level where they're going to be trying to make those last steps and getting ready for the NHL. And Poulan course is the biggest name in that he is the guy at least forward wise that most penguins fans are excited for it seems like the organization is most excited for and i don't think he'll make the team out of camp i honestly don't know if any of these guys will make the team out of camp and we'll talk about po joseph a little bit later who's probably the most likely of all of them but for sam pool he is an all-around playmaker he's a guy that is standing at six foot one which is a little bit bigger than the archetype pittsburgh penguins prospect has been over the last couple of seasons and since basically dating back to 2016 so he's a little bit bigger he is pretty strong on the puck and he's really good playmaker so we'll see what he can do in the ahl i would hope that he starts in the ahl expecting at least him to do that and i don't know i think of all of these players though pull might be the one that most likely gets the mid-season call up and that might even still be a stretch depending on where the the professional team is at that point in time, come maybe late December, early January, you know, the dog days of the season where you need a little bit of an injection into the lineup to keep your team going, bring bring a little bit of extra excitement as they get tongue-tied there. But I think Sam Poulin could be that guy. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it that quickly. We have to see how he adjusts to the AHL.
1: Yeah, it'll be hard. Um, I'm always going to, I mean – The adjustment from the AHL to the NHL is – it's bigger than people expect, especially – I mean, if you remember the days when Daniel Sprong was our top prospect, basically. (sighs) Yeah. In his uh, one season with the Wilkes-Barre Scram Penguins, he was 65 games, 65 points, 32 goals, 32 assists. That's You're looking at that like that's a hell of a player because the AHL is a good mix of guys who are, you know, NHL ready, Mm -hmm. maybe – late bloomer nhl players and he seems to be dominating that then he gets up to the nhl and we see him do nothing with us mm-hmm. but now you know he's in washington scoring 13 which is you know good for him it's good to see him finally working out somewhere but yeah it's uh the transition is different you just hope we don't get that situation again mm-hmm. but uh, we do feel like pool and got a little more to him you said he's 6'1 did you have a weight on that he's I think 209 is what he weighed in at last season oh my goodness he's a big dude Daniel Sprong is only 6 foot 180 yeah so yeah uh we is we would hope to assume that a little bit of extra girth
0: will uh that'll give him some help and that's really the big thing when you talk about Sam Poulin is a lot of people say we don't want another Daniel Sprong. we don't want somebody who has all this promise only to come up And end up being a trade piece for Marcus Pedersen. And I understand that. I understand wanting to make sure you wait longer on them. Let them kind of marinate in the minors. And I think that's why the Penguins have left him like last season. Even though he wasn't really eligible for the AHL. They would probably have left him in the queue anyway. to, To sit there and try to develop his game a little bit more. And you saw that from Sam Poulin. And you saw some of the clutch gene come out in the President's Cup playoffs. Along with his lineman, Nathan Legare, who is also a Pittsburgh Penguins draft prospect. He is somebody that came in the same exact draft as Sam Poulin a little bit later in the draft. He made some noise two years ago in the preseason with a couple really nice goals and then immediately signing his professional contract after that game. And... Since then, a lot of eyes have been on him, and guess what? He got traded to Valdeor as well in midseason with Sam Poulin, and they played on a line with Jacob Pelletier, who is a Calgary Flames prospect, first-round draft pick of last season for the Flames, and those three kind of tore up that league, especially in the regular season and definitely in the first couple rounds of the playoffs. If you look at what Legare was able to do, he scored 11 goals and 24 points, and his 19 games with Valdior in the regular season. But then he went and put up 14 goals in 15 playoff games. I mean, this guy is as pure of a scorer as you're going to get. And realistically, he's going to be up in Wilkes-Barre next season along with Poulin and maybe some of these other prospects. So it's going to be fun to see him make that jump as well. It's uh, good to see Legare <clears throat> stepping up because
1: do we remember those weird discussions we were having where he had a regression But if you look at his numbers, uh, where exactly was that regression? Because the dude still, I mean, yeah, the dude still has his shot, clearly. He's still scoring points. And I don't know how much fact is based in this, but I can remember rumors saying that he had one of the hardest shots in the organization as a whole. That's all three teams. That's impressive, Uh,
0: especially for a 19, 20-year-old? 20 years old both Poulin and Legere are 20 years old. So when you look at these guys and say how good they were last year in the queue, how good they were the year prior in the queue, and then realize that they're only 20 years old, you definitely don't want to rush either of them. But if they can progress at the rate that they've been progressing, it's not really rushing them. It's just letting them go where their talent has been taking them. Yeah. It's quite, it's fun. I mean, he's another you know six
1: foot, uh 205 pounds man it's he's another stocky one so um god you these are the guys that could be pushing some of those um those taxi squad players those healthy scratches pushing them clear out of the lineup a no need for uh Jankowski to return a no need for um Sevier or Rodriguez I mean these guys can all walk if we come up to camp and we see our young guys playing like this
0: so we can build our starting lineup and have them be the first call ups now nathan legere has kind of been used at least by fans and armchair general managers since the season has ended as a trade piece to try to move a contract like a matheson or a petterson i know i personally on monday included him in a potential hypothetical trade for matthew kachuk but would you use nathan legere as a trade piece to unload one of those two contracts after seeing these numbers no and
1: seeing that he played with pool and with Valdeor, not anymore i i'm not saying he's totally untouchable but i'm saying he's one you want to hold on to and at least see what you have yourselves you know, see if it's going to pan out um because if again and i'm i'm probably we're probably going to use daniel strong as a big comparison here because he also played in uh he also played in the queue. He also stayed down in the queue for a little while after we drafted him and was a top uh, prospect at the wing who had a hell of a shot. So all these comparisons are there. There's a reason for this. Um, You know, we traded Sprungway and got Marcus Patterson. For what it's worth, that's not an awful deal. No, Patterson has been useful. Sure, we're trying to deal him now, but for what it is worth, that was a useful, productive deal for us mm-hmm. and not so much for the Ducks since he is now on the Capitals. <laughs> So that's a win-win. So with this, yeah, I, we at least kind of want to see what we have with them because they have potential. And if things just fall apart with us, well, then we ship them off before things really get bad and maybe get a decent return still. Maybe we still salvage something out of it. Uh, for now, though, I say let's at least give these guys a shot with mm-hmm. and see what they have. Let them, you know, succeed or fail with us. And by fail, I mean quickly get out before you actually fail
0: (laughs) if you're a head coach of Wilkes-Barre Scranton JD Forrest and you look at Sam Poulin and Nathan Legere coming in it's pretty easy to stick them with centerman Felix Robert and just be like all right produce go ahead do it produce and I'm sure the three of them will I mean as long as you're not going up against the
1: uh, I can't like whichever AHL team might have a really dirty line or a really
0: large (laughs) man line I mean, we already mentioned Poulin and Legray are not small human beings.
1: No, but I'm talking like the six fours two thirties build yeah. guys, like the ones that are still quite literally
0: fighting to get into the league. Yeah. There's not too many of them though. There really isn't. Even in even in the AHL, even in the ECHL, there's not really that many of them left. No, the E Which is still sad. the E is still a little grimy, but
1: um it's rare those guys get up to the A.
0: Yeah. But let's move on and talk about another forward that the Pittsburgh Penguins have in their prospect pool. And that's Casper Bjorkvist. This is a guy that we've talked about for a couple of seasons. Now kind of being on the front forefront of the prospect pool. He's kind of lingered around the top 10. Now he's lingering around the top five, but it almost seems like he's the forgotten prospect. We mention him every year, but when it comes to the time of the season, it seems like he kind of just fades back. And this year, of course, going over to play in the Finnish Elite League for the majority of the season, it makes a little bit of sense. Only playing six games for the wilkes Grant and Penguins last year. I would like to see Bjorkfuss come over and play for wilkes this season, especially if Legere and Poulain are there at the beginning of the season, because I want to see all of our prospects on the same team. I would like to see how they play together. I know that that's not how it works out, but especially to see the three forwards here, Bjorkvist, Legere, and Poulin. I would love to see the three of those guys play in the same forward lineup, and I think that would help a lot of people that don't quite pay attention to the prospects kind of see what Casper Bjorkvist is all about. He, Like I said, only six games in Wilkes-Barre last year, and it didn't seem like Wilkes-Barre had any top-tier prospects besides maybe Pio Joseph playing for them. So I would like to see Bjorkvist play in the A this year. I would imagine that he does, and I think that will go a long way as to showing how ready he is to potentially make the next step, whether or not that be this season or a season down the line.
1: So the thing with Bjork Bjork's Bjorkfist. Bjorkfist. Thank you. I almost said Bjork's strand. The thing with Bjorkqvist is um he he's it he's had six games and then five games because of an injury. Yeah. The six I mean, that's hard it's hard to rebuild off of that. And it hurts kind of seeing these you know, these low AHL numbers because I um, he's only played 11 games there. Yeah, only 11 mm-hmm. games there um, in total. It's hard to build off of that. You hope to see better. You hope he's able to stay healthy. And you hope that you can kind of at least get his numbers from Finland to translate a little. We get, you know, Finnish hockey is different from over here. So there's going to be a bit of a learning curve. Um, we'll just have to see. Another problem is contracts up. Yeah, And I know it's one of those weird um, RFA situations where it's he's probably going to re-sign anyway. If he doesn't, it's probably just back to Finland with him, and that's, that's that. Um, I was high on Bjorkvist for a while, but I'm at the point of he's played so little, and he's 23 now, that if we lose him, we lose him. You know, it sucks, and it's a waste of an asset, but I'm not getting you know bent out of shape if things go wrong here i do want to see him play and i do want to see him perform with us as well but i mean the t- what is what it, it sucks to say what have you done for me lately but i mean he's been hurt lately so with him or without him it's not like we've had much anyway i mean yeah injury and also the you know given the benefit of the doubt there yeah he was injured but
0: I don't know. I'd give him the shot, but again, when the contract is up, it's hard. Yeah, his contract is up. I fully expect him to sign, unless he is fed up with, with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, which we we kind of saw shades of that with Emil Larmy. But if he, unless I don't, I don't think that I've heard anything about Yorkfest being upset at anything in the Penguins organization, and he is still a top five top six prospect in your organization that is not something you let go especially when you're ranked as the 30th best prospect pool in the league you don't want to let go of anybody that's in the top 10 of your prospects so no i i would not be happy i would be quite upset if we saw casper bjorkfisk leave for finland for good and not re-sign with the penguins I don't think that's going to be an issue. I do think he's going to probably sign at some point this off season and then hopefully be in Wilkes-Barre by the beginning of next season. But if he doesn't, that's just another blow to an already kind of depleted depth at prospect pool for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, you're right. I understand that too. So let's talk about our top defenseman in the prospect pool. There's a lot of, kind of mid-tier prospects with Cam Lee, Josh Maniscalco that we talked a lot about last season, and they made steps last year, but they're not quite in the top tier. Uh, Some of them are in a little bit of a higher standing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but none quite in the same tier as P.O. Joseph. Obviously, P.O. Joseph is already a fan favorite in the city of Pittsburgh. He had that quick short stint at the beginning of this past season. A lot of people expect him to be on the team coming out of camp next season, I think he has the best shot of any of these guys at making the roster out of camp, but I think that mainly depends on the roster moves made in the offseason by Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. I could easily see P.O. Joseph starting in Wilkes-Barre again next season, but I think it's pretty obvious that by season's end, he should be with the main roster for good this time. Yeah, and you hit the nail
1: right on the head. It's going to depend on what happens with our defensive core this Mm offseason we know he can play at the nhl level we know that he can produce in a fairly positive way we know he's a fan favorite and we know he has a spot here we know he's the first call up too. Mm -hmm. um so i think just depending on what happens with our group now i mean i think technically matheson's modified no trade
0: clause has kicked in i think at the start of the next at the start yeah okay contracts go by the year
1: okay because that, that's
0: why on cap friendly it still has 2020 2021's year as the current season because uh, i is. mean well it is but
1: uh every page is clicked up a, clicked up a year ah well because it says matheson's term is in i just don't know how all that works so i could be wrong but from what i'm reading on here his term or his uh yes yeah, his, his term was kicked in mm. but again if things get moved around he's the first one up clearly and yeah. it'll depend. It'll, I mean, it'll obviously depend on trades, free agency, and the expansion draft. There's all different, all sorts of different variables to look at when it comes to Pio Joseph being brought into the league again. Also, uh, Yuso Riccolo is currently buried in the minors, apparently, mm-hmm. according to Cat Friendly. So,
0: yeah, things are happening with our defensive
1: core this offseason.
0: We just don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a mess that needs to be unjumbled by Ron Hextall. I mean, you also brought in a guy like Mark Friedman, who, yeah, what are we expecting from him? He only played a couple of games. Where do we see him go next season? Is he utilized more than he was this year? I know, of course, there was injury with the concussion issue, cause of the Flyers game. But there's a lot of questions and a lot of variables in P.O. Joseph's way, but... He showed last year that he has the skill to kind of cut through all that and stand a little bit of a tier above. We'll just have to see if getting sent back down last season helped with the maturity of his game to where he can come up to the NHL and play at a more consistent pace because, as you saw at the end of his stint in Pittsburgh, he was starting to get taken advantage of a little bit by some of the more experienced players in the NHL. They kind of started to figure out his game a little bit, and part of that was also because he wasn't playing with the puck as much, and that's when he's at his best. So we'll see what happens with P.O. Joseph. Like I mentioned, I think by the end of next season, I would imagine that he is one of the six for the Pittsburgh Penguins that are locked in, similar to what we had locked in six at the end of this season. I would imagine P.O. Joseph's name is among those six at the time of the beginning of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, yeah, I can see that too. too. Especially
1: if more moves happen during the season. Um, let's say that's when we trade Patterson. I mean, mm. yeah, no, I, I get that as well. I think by then, ideally, he would be in it. Um, it'll it'll just all depend, and we just know he's there. We know he is there. We know he can do it.
0: Now, the goalie prospect pool did get a little depleted with the departure of Emil Larmy, as we've mentioned several times on the show. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins have Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, and that's enough to try to figure stuff out at that level. But if you go into the youngest of the prospect pool, Callie Klang and Joel Blomqvist, both draft picks by the Penguins in last year's NHL draft, both 19 year old goaltenders, one from Sweden, one from Finland. Callie Klang has kind of stood out a little bit more than Blomqvist this past season when it comes to potential. And a lot of people pointed to him as being the next guy for the pittsburgh penguins down the line once he's ready of course like i mentioned he's only 19 years old but he played mainly last season in the swedish the swedish first division going 13 and 19 with a 919 save percentage and a 246 goals allowed average i think if you're the pittsburgh penguins clearly Klang is probably gonna continue to play in sweden I would imagine they just look for progression this Sweden and that's the best they can hope for. I mean, the guy's only 19. We talk enough about goaltending being voodoo. And with both of these guys, they're 19 years old. So that's even more so when it's a young goaltender. And I think with these guys, they each made progressions and steps forward. And you just have to hope that it continues through next season. And they're probably both going to stay in Europe. Yeah, most likely. Um, We'll just have to see how the camps go Mm -hmm.
1: because Assuming they get an invite to that, see what they can do with these guys. Um, and with them being young, I'm glad that you have, you know, more information than I do because uh, they're not even on cat friendly yet. No, so, or at least not on our team of cat friendly yet. So it's the way it goes. Yeah. Goaltending is the way it is, but at the same time, we know both these guys can be good. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think there was a conversation in the hockey writers, Penguins team chat at, um, Someone was discussing like, who the Penguins should be taking in the draft. Um, defenseman sounds good because that's kind of our thinnest, uh, you know, port, our thinnest group when it comes to futures. Uh, but goalie just makes zero sense right now because mm-hmm. we have those two from last year. Yeah, we're losing Larminie, but again, filler. Find a find a free agent. There's a thousand of them. Bring back Max Lagasse. Yeah, we have the space to cover. I mean, that's the way it'll go. And you got those two um, pretty held up. I think they'll be fine down the line. Do when or how we use them is yet to be seen. Clearly, that'll depend on just progression. And for now, it'd be for now at least. It seems taking a taking a high
0: taking a goalie with a high pick doesn't make sense right now. No, so. It would help if the Penguins had a high pick, but either way, irregardless. But we don't expect Klang or Blongfist to be in Pittsburgh next year. That's clearly, that's further than a long shot. But which of these prospects do you expect to see in Pittsburgh next season, Horwath? Uh, is P.O. Joseph the low-hanging fruit? It, it, it kind of is. You would expect that at some point P.O. Jo- Joseph is going to be there. and We both said as much. But, I mean, if you look at the other guys, is there any other names you expect to be in Pittsburgh at all next season?
1: Then I'm gonna say Sam Poulin because I think there was a little part of us that was almost expecting to make it up this year, this past season. Um I think I think we may have been you know grasping at straws our, ourselves. Also sorry if you can hear the thunder. It's a, <laughs> it's a rainy day in the bird today. Um but Sam Poulin, for what it is worth, if he if he was in the discussion of making the lineup last year, if he has only progressed, then we then we know he's Got a hell of a shot to make it this year, mm-hmm. especially with forwards definitely forwards leaving, definitely with a new regime, you know at the helm wanting to, yeah implement their own changes but knowing they're building for the future and Poulin and Laguerre are the main two to do it. Poulin's the first step in, so I think he and Joseph honestly might have about the same uh, opportunity, might might be at the same
0: level when it comes to breaking into the nhl this year yeah i agree with that i don't think nathan legare is going to quite break into the league if he takes tremendous steps forward which he's shown he's possible you know he's capable of doing then possibly but i still feel like ron hextall and brian burke they're like you said they're looking for the future and they're looking towards the future and bringing up guys kind of prematurely has never been something that ron hextall has enjoyed doing as a general manager so i don't think legare will get that push sam pull in possibly Like I mentioned earlier when I was talking about him, he might be that January, late December call up that ends up staying. He might not be. I think the only definite here is P.O. Joseph. I think everybody else is all depending, unless they blow, you know, Hextall and Burke away. I don't think anybody else on this list, particularly is going to make it up there. And I would even throw in you know, Felix Robert. I don't think he's going to make it to the Berg this year either. Uh, obviously, he made great strides last year, getting into the organization, going from Wheeling to wilkes Bear, and then kind of ingratiating himself in Wilkes-Barre and signing an extra contract for next season. But it's not going to be yet for any of these young guys. And I, I think it'll be exciting when they come up, but it's not going to be next season.
1: Yeah. The real question I think that, we're all asked, that we all want to ask is... Um... How well do these guys play in the NHL? How well do these guys play with what is going to be assumed the Crosby Malkin, maybe Latang uh, core? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, whereas my assumption is they come up with the you know, full time, maybe in 2022, 20, 23, which is when Malkin would have to have a new contract. Latang would have a new contract. Odds are Latang doesn't get the one. Who knows though? We never know. It's mm-hmm. talks for a later date. Um, I think the real question would be, how do they, how do these young guys really help extend this window again? Because in hindsight, the window should be open until Crosby's no longer
0: on this team. Yeah. I mean, again, that's, that's a different discussion for a different day. Honestly, it could, that could be, a, that could be a discussion for the next couple of episodes, whether or not Sidney Crosby keeps that window open by himself. It, yeah. Is he the window? But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the NHL awards and whether or not Sidney Crosby won an NHL award. We'll be right back after this break.
1: Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
0: Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the hockey podcast network. And we left you before that commercial break with the thought of, did he possibly win an NHL award and he being Sidney Crosby? He did not. He was only up for one. And that was the Ted Lindsay award. That was won by Connor McDavid, who took both the Ted Lindsay and the Hart trophy as expected from the Oilers. And then if you look at the other trophies also kind of expected, I, I, did expect Adam Fox to be a serious contender for the Norse. He ends up taking that home as the league's best defenseman. The Selkie Award going to Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers. That's something that feels like it's been a couple of years in the making. And then a, a trophy coronation for Marc-Andre Fleury winning his first ever Vesna in his 17th NHL season. Horwat looking at these five awards that were announced on Tuesday evening, Were you expecting the winners of these awards that we got? And is there anybody you thought got kind of, you know, taken away? Um, I was not expecting Flurry. Let's be honest. were, were, Were any of us? Like, actually? Um, I don't know. I kind of expected him to have a good chance. This was his best chance of any. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been saying that it is
1: the, um... It is the hey, you deserved this a while ago award. Who cares? If he did, then he should have gotten one then. So we'll call it this one mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Um, yeah, Vasilevsky had a great season, but Flurry was the only goalie to appear in the top five of a ton of the main stats. That's why he, you know, was part of the Jennings Trophy victory. So well deserved on Flurry's part. You love to see it. Um, I don't think anything else really surprised me. The Adam Fox one was good. This is what it should have been. And did anyone really expect
0: anything other than McDavid and Kaprizov to win their respective awards? Yeah, oh, I completely, I I forgot to even mention Kirill Kaprizov winning the Calder, but that was kind of predetermined the second he honestly basically entered the league this season. But yeah, no, it, it was pretty expected that Connor McDavid, with the season that he had over 100 points in 56 games, you expected him to take home the big hardware and the Lindsay and the heart.
1: Yeah, it, we really did. I mean, from the there are things I'll get into in my shout outs and call-outs about it, so it's mm-hmm. I have no more to say on it at the moment. But yeah, no, it was expected he was gonna win that.
0: Yeah. And I do just want to congratulate Marc Andre Fleury for winning the Vesna. I, I you know, as Penguins fans that did enjoy Marc Andre Fleury and weren't calling for his head every other summer, we are happy to see him get the recognition that he deserves after a great season we're happy to see him get the vesna for the very first time and it just further solidifies what i believe is a hall of fame career no undoubtedly i i think undoubtedly i i need to really i can't speak today but congratulations to mark andre Fleury, and we'll see what happens with him because he might be on his way out of vegas who who knows he's not going to be taken in the expansion draft or what you don't have to worry about that yeah
1: I, we don't need to talk about that gap but if we're going to talk about um flurry possibly on his way out as i was driving home from work today andrew Filipponi from the fan was making um another fun trade offer for the penguins Ah, okay that um seemed to not blow up in his face the first time but a lot of people seem to disagree with him this one again i believe a lot of people are going to disagree with but he's kind of um showing the comparison it was uh what year was it whichever year um Kasparaitis scored against Dominic Hasek in Game 7. Mm-hmm. That Dominic Hasek, I believe, won the Vesna. Yeah. He won the Vesna that year at the age of 36. Okay. Uh, Fleury just won the Vezina at the age of 36. And a gaffe in the playoffs that may have cost a series in Flurry's case, definitely in Hasek's case. Mm-hmm. Dominic Hasek immediately got traded to the Red Wings. I think he went on to win a cup the next year. <laughs> but now as you know philip pony throwing out these comparisons uh should the penguins make a similar offer for flurry something like eight. because the trade for Hashik was a winger and a first rounder we don't have a first rounder this year he said the 2022 first round and jason zucker so again pony throwing out the comparables
0: is flurry on the move not for that no yeah no the the problem with that is Especially the problem with anything that you try to compare to the 2000s, the 90s, is people have changed, trading has changed, contracts have changed, and you're not going to get a Vezina Hall of Fame goaltender for a middle six right wing and a first-round pick anymore. It's <laughs> Goaltending is too valuable. It's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, even at Flurry's advanced age, I mean, I guess...
1: Hashig was a bit... It was in a different category. He went on to play for another eight years. Yeah.
0: And win two, win two cups. He was the backup whenever Detroit beat us. What What is age but a marker that we use to try to determine stuff on? Considering that we can say, yeah, he's 36. That's an advanced age. He just won the Vezina Trophy. I don't care if he's 36 or 46. If he performed like he did this season, you're not getting him for a pick and a pro- and a player it's just not it's not feasible all right I, i'm with you on that unless the player is like jake gensel then then it is but that's not a trade that you're p- making if you're the penguins you mean his last i mean Pony's last offer which i think was just a one for one <laughs> yeah I- i'm not surprised that people went against what andrew filiponi says i'm pretty sure that is the whole name of his game and his show oh yeah i mean he
1: you know he brings entertainment value and he's does a great job of what he does i'll
0: absolutely give pony that and flaming the pittsburgh fan base he does a fantastic job of doing that hey (laughs) he knows what he's doing
1: i can't i gotta hey he does it well he does he does do it well and uh yeah it's fun stuff from i like what he does i think he does the right stuff for sure
0: well we're gonna take a quick break while we ponder what the right stuff is and when we come back we'll have our shout outs and call out segment
2: You want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunchwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. That's An- Anthony. Anthony Nunchwander. It's it's N-U-E-N. It's Noyenschwander. Anthony Noyenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know. I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. You took it for two years? Oh, no. j Don yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German 2. Oh, you, 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 she, only, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me... And, I don't know, five other people. And all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No, uh, we weren't a terrible, terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. I'm uh, not going to mention names. not going to call it anybody in this pod. Chase Crawshaw. <laughs> it was 100% not me. <laughs> oh, boy. I know a couple of those names. But, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. Episode 60 of Season 2 as we're rolling along here in the Pittsburgh Penguins postseason. And we're looking at this shoutouts and callouts. And it comes at the heels of Games 1 and 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Montreal Canadiens. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, I know neither my shout-out or call-out have anything really to do with that other than Gary Bettman's press conference from Monday, but Horwat, what is your shout-out? We'll start where there.
1: Okay, I had already kind of alluded to it in in our awards show discussion because I want to shout-out, I believe it is the Professional Hockey Writers Association. They vote for the Hart Trophy, correct? Uh, yes, I want to shout them out because in the cleanest of sweeps, all 100 people said McDavid deserved the uh, hard trophy, which he did. Mm -hmm. There was no denying it. I've never seen a number like that. He had literally every point you could get, which was 100 first place votes and it was all well deserved. Uh, It's good to see the writers doing uh, proper things this time around and you know yeah there's a lot of the whole discussion of will he get all of the votes because it's the northern division it's a shorter season it's uh you know different Mm -hmm. but well guess what he got every vote that he deserved which was all of them and good on the writers for doing the right thing and kind of stumping all the conversations that everyone was having
0: yeah it's about time that Everybody agrees on doing the obvious thing. It doesn't happen in sports very often, hence the reason nobody will ever be a unanimous selection to the baseball hall of fame. Because Babe Ruth wasn't. So there's still gonna be people that don't let a unanimous vote happen. And that's that's the way that sports are, that's the way sports writers are. We're the same exact way. We have those kind of thought processes. And for once, everybody just said, you know, look at him. I mean, he passes the test of is he the best player in the league? Yes, this season he was. Was he the player that most helped his team and was most important to his team? I think if you look at what happened to the Oilers in the playoffs, you realize that they would probably not have even been in the playoffs had it not been for the performance of Connor McDavid. So, yes, he crosses that box off, too. It was an obvious selection, and and it's a good shout-out on your point because it's not something that was, you know, it's not something we expected to happen. Hundred first first-place votes for him. Yeah, the... One,
1: because you mentioned the Baseball Hall of Fame unanimous vote thing. I was like, I, I knew there was one person. Mm-hmm. It was still a Yankee, and mm-hmm. it wasn't Jeter. you know. <laughs> All people, Mariano Rivera. Yeah, enter Sandman. Um, yeah, Jeter missed
0: missed one vote, and yeah. yeah. That was a huge conversation when Jeter went into the Hall of Fame. That was a massive month-long debate of what is right he should have been unanimous. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He's in, he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They don't really care how many votes. But, yeah, that was a huge deal a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, you're right when you, what you say about the unanimous
1: thing. And I'll just read a tweet that I saw from uh, Danny, who put it perfectly. I'm thoroughly impressed that nobody Galaxy reigned the first place vote. Because it sh- you shouldn't have. It was obvious.
0: Now, Danny, is that Shari Irving on Twitter? Yes. Okay, I figured that's who it was. Yeah, everyone knows him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that is is very true, and it is a good shout-out on your part. My shout-out this week goes to Emily Harley and Angelica Diffendall, and if you don't know those names, get to know those names, especially if you're a fan of Pittsburgh hockey, if you're a fan of Robert Morris hockey, because they were selected in the first and second round, respectively, of the NWHL draft by the Buffalo Buttes on Tuesday night. Both of them – heading up to Buffalo, and they are both products, like I said, of Robert Morris hockey in Pittsburgh. So obviously a lot has been said about Robert Morris hockey over the past couple of months, and we still support them at this podcast. We will support any product of Robert Morris hockey wherever they go, whether that be from the men's program or the women's program. So I know I'll definitely be pulling for the Buffalo Buttes next year to win the Isabel Cup now that they have two former Robert Morris colonials on their team. Absolutely good on them. I didn't know that. I did see that uh, they just had their draft. I
1: didn't pay. Mm-hmm. I didn't look too much deeper, but yeah, you would love.
0: I mean, Robert Morris hockey. It's <laughs> Emily Harley was the second overall pick.
1: I was so excited when I saw that. That's fun. I yeah, I should. I need to look into all that now. But you know, RMU hockey's been doing the damn thing for a long time, and uh, yeah, it things have happened since then. But again, Robert Morris had a ton of friends that went there have a couple friends that still go there it it's a good school for what it's worth yeah the hockey situation's a completely different story one thing in that before i get back to the up buttes yeah you you can't take the school's education uh you can't take that down when you discuss the hockey thing because it's still a good school for education first yeah
0: or it's still a good school you know yeah just because their hockey program has been run into the ground doesn't mean that their school is bad it's just yeah it's just one of those things that um
1: you know sometimes it has a negative effect on the entire campus and stuff like that as a whole but yeah yeah good on those two for playing professional hockey professional hockey more rmu alums making the making the show one way or the other one of the shows or
0: the other and that actually leads into my my call out and it's something that I did not want to hear on Monday when I tuned into Gary Bettman's press conference. I knew I was going to be thoroughly amused one way or the other, and the fly definitely stole the show, I would imagine, the fly that Gary Bettman struggled to get rid of. But my call-out is Gary Bettman from that press conference, stating that he hopes that women's hockey landscape can become more, quote, unified before the NHL attempts to step in if they're willing to be allowed in, which clearly... I mean, you look at the NBA and the WNBA landscape, that would be kind of a picture-perfect structure for the NHL and women's hockey, whether that be the PWHPA or the NWHL. I I know that they're kind of at odds, and they've been at odds since, I believe, 2019 when the PWHPA was created, and they're fairly far apart, mainly because the PHW or PWHPA, I keep messing up, this is a lot of letters, but the the pwhpa was created due to a lack of insurance kind of quality and an inability to pay a living salary by the nwhl and that's a hard thing to get over and i know that there's been a lot of butting heads between the two leagues and luckily out of that has spurred a lot of interest in the sport across north america i feel like Women's hockey as a whole has been taken a whole lot more seriously in the past couple of years, and it needs more. It needs more. It's great what we've seen so far, but there needs to be more support because this is a great sport. This is so entertaining sport, and this is a sport that needs more backing because it deserves more backing. The NWHL just recently upped its salary cap to $300,000, which is double what it was last season. Again, another step forward for women's hockey there and like i said it's gaming gaining steam in north america the nhl should definitely be stepping in and offering to help in any way that they can to grow the women's game instead of telling them to be more unified before even offering any services that to me just it it, it rubbed me the wrong way i might be looking into it and galaxy branding it too much but that rubbed me the wrong way and saying that you hope that they would be more unified before you step in why don't you Step in and help them unify. It, that's that's where my head went, but I might be wrong. That's where I'm thinking. Yeah, that's the point I was gonna say too. How you could help them unify, and it, you know,
1: having the big money flowing into it from the NHL would really go a long way, especially with these new TV deals. And by the way, if anyone needs more proof that women's hockey is awesome, watch the Olympics. Then yeah, watch. Watch USA versus Canada in any Olympics. When's the next winter one? 2022 next
0: year? The the next one is in like six months. (laughs)
1: Are they doing? Oh, yeah.
0: Watch it then. It's, Mm -hmm. they're
1: incredible. That's some of the most entertaining hockey you'll watch. I can remember staying up because it was in North, South Korea Mm -hmm. last time around. I can remember staying up super late to watch that gold medal game live. Didn't want to watch it on replay, wanted to watch it live. I had classes the next day, but I was wait I was staying up to watch it. Like it's incredible stuff to watch. The Olympics are all you need to know that women's hockey is just as entertaining. And I mean, those those women get fierce on the ice, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can yeah, the men get chippy, but oof. There's something about women's sports. They don't like each other after a while. You ever watch women's soccer? Same thing. Oh yeah, They get into it. So, yeah, uh, maybe the NHL should step in and help unify them because, I mean, let's be real here. Money runs the world, and money's a big issue
0: with both of those leagues. So, Mm -hmm. you know, do what you got to do. Horwath, what is your call out? Let's end the show on that note. Oh, we're going to end the show on a fun note because, uh, man, I hate always talking about baseball.
1: And this isn't about what the hell is going on with the whole pitchers thing. That's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother episode for a whole nother podcast. This one does have to do with pitching, but it is specifically Derek Shelton's pitching decisions. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir here of pirate fans of, yeah, we all know he's making dumb moves, but some of the specific ones that um, are really interesting to me. Uh, The first one is the father's day game where JD Brubaker was just mowing everyone down on the Cleveland Indians. Um, I believe he'd only given up one run at this point. And I forget I was there, so I don't know all of the details, but and he just pulls them. But Derek Sheldon said, That's enough of that. You've had your time on the mound, I'm going with someone else, and they end up losing the game. Now, granted, you shouldn't. Granite, your team should be good enough offensively to score more than two runs. Again, another discussion for another day because the pods yeah. are a gong show. But yeah at least give the guy another inning maybe give him his give him his due maybe he doesn't give up that second run maybe we push extras and figure it out from there i don't know dumb move to take him out there sure maybe his pitch count was running a little high i don't know pitch count situations but the one that gets me ever that's going to get me every time is this the kid did i write his name down Max, what was his name? he was throwing the Max perfect Kranich. game Kranich, throwing a perfect game I understand that pitchers get taken out after rain delays. Mm-hmm. How many of them are in the middle of a perfect game? though? Not a no hitter, a perfect game in not just, you know, halfway through their career, a few months, in, first game, first MLB game, not even in a relief situation, first appearance ever starting, throwing a perfect game and a rain delay takes you out. What's the worst that happens if you throw him back in there, he gives up a hit on the next batter, take him out. That that's fine. That's different. Who can? And then not only that, you option him to Triple A. <laughs> what? How? First impressions last a lifetime, right? Uh, that's a perfect first impression,
0: and your reward is Indianapolis. Hey, I, I mean, I you're again you're preaching you're preaching to the choir here because you know I I know the Pirates have a really you know the opposite of the the Penguins they have a really deep system right now it's just not here yet I mean you look at the top three of the Pirates lineup and it's great looking at Adam Frazier who's the best second baseman in baseball right now basically and then you look at Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes and they're amazing to watch but yeah there's there's a lot to take in with Derek Shelton so far and there's a lot to take in with the Pittsburgh Pirates, as has been for the past couple of seasons, it's like so. it's just it's Ray
1: searage levels of what are you doing with your pitchers? Um, and not only that, there's already been a ton of discussion that Shelton might not be the manager of the future anyway. He's kind of just the guy that is in while we get through this these bumps in the road. Yeah, these bumps won't stop. Also, we just traded away Troy Stokes Jr., who was supposed to be a huge part of the future too. So, man, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, but
0: we got a what 17 a year old catcher who might make the
1: majors in four years Uh, baseball is so weird especially when it comes to growing prospects and i guess both leader and rocker have just fallen off the pirates radar
0: i mean we'll see kamar rocker the other day pitched a pretty good game for the for vanderbilt in the college world series so We'll see what happens with all of that. I think the uh, jury is still out on Shelton and, and how well he is managed, but I think Ben Charrington has done a pretty good job as general manager. I, I know not a lot of people are happy about the Troy Stokes trade, but you know jury's still out because you can't really judge a general manager on a year and a half, not even. Last season was 60 games, and he didn't even get a minor league season. I think you know just go look at the Greensboro Grasshoppers if you want to see what the future of the Pittsburgh Pirates is because you know Paguero and Gonzalez and Priester, they're all performing extremely well in high A. Yeah. And for
1: what it is worth, the triple A team looks to be decent. O'Neill Cruz is just or no, he's in double. He's he's in Altoona. Okay, so look at the double-A team. O'Neill Cruz is just making baseballs wish they weren't baseballs.
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, shout out to a uh, Altoona curve pitcher Trey Mago, who I played with in travel ice in, in in elementary school i didn't ice. know he was on that team till i just looked and i was like wait i know him but yeah shout out to him he's pitching pretty well i should see if any of the guys i played with are
1: anywhere because mm-hmm. i played with some talented ball players but um yeah no uh for what it is worth also i'm sure we will be calling out the pirates a lot on the show yeah we're only halfway through a season this <laughs> this trade is not stopping okay it's uh, no. It's a fun ride, but uh, one day, one day, we will see another, an actual Pirate Playoff series here. Uh, yeah, tell me t- cry poetic about 2013 all you want. I can't get into it anymore with uh, what has happened before and after that. So I can't, I'm sorry. I know I mean, all the people love living living that back, but, and it was fun, but what has happened since? They seemed like a phony of a team then, no offense.
0: Oh. Oh, you're hurting my my childhood, even though that was not my childhood. That was my junior year in high school. But, hey, you're hurting the only team that I, I enjoyed as a Pirates fan. Why are you doing that? I think that's the time. I think that's time to end this episode because I'm going to have to go cry in a corner. Jeez, what That's going to do it for today's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. as my depression sinks in about the Pittsburgh Pirates. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be back on Monday with a new one. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at iceberg podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple podcasts. We are brought to you by the hockey podcast network. You can visit them on Twitter at hockey or at the hockey Every team everywhere.